You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. We started a series in the beginning of the year called Focus Forward. Just as those who plow fields are called to never look back because you lose your focus and alignment of what's ahead. I feel like God is calling the church and so many of you listen to different sermons and messages and podcasts. And all of those who are seeking the Lord's voice and his word are saying the very same thing. The church needs to focus forward. We are so blurred in vision. And when our vision is blurred, our response and the way we live and build our lives is blurred. And we wonder why people want nothing to do with the organization called the church. Why should they join something and listen to someone whose vision is blurred and they have no idea how to move forward? And so we're looking at the things of the kingdom of God and the priorities in the word of God to tune our focus so as we move forward in our families, as we move forward in our jobs and our daily living, as we move forward in parenting, as we move forward following Jesus, we have to continually turn those knobs of the viewfinder of our hearts to clear the vision because, friends, we live in a world that is constantly begging and pleading and investing for your attention. What have you been distracted with this week? What has gotten your attention? I tell you, sometimes... I am amazed at how I'll scroll through Facebook and then I'll look at the clock and it's two hours later. What has numbed my mind and attention for two hours? We are inundated with every kind of distraction and visual aid calling our attention. None of that is evil and bad of itself, but when it gets your focus off of Jesus, you are heading down a very slippery path. And so friends, focus forward is all about obedience and application. If you don't take the conviction from these messages and you don't hide them in your heart, and you don't make changes in how you live. It will only be a message. Some of you have grown up in religious activity with a religious spirit around you. And it's all about just getting in the word and structuring everything so that you look and act like a Christian. And yet you are completely empty in the inside. Jesus addressed the religious leaders as whitewashed tombs. They looked apart, but inside they're rotting flesh. Sinners, just like everybody else. 
And so in order to focus forward, we need to have the heart of surrender. We need to die to ourselves so that Christ can take the center place. Then we need to yield to the Holy Spirit to take over and drive the vehicle of our lives. So many of you have said yes to Jesus. So many of you have received the forgiveness he gives. But so many of you have never given permission to the Holy Spirit to take the wheel of your life and direct you. And the Bible even says, if the Holy Spirit is not in the driver's seat and is not in you, then you are not in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in us when we have Christ. But the choice to let him take over is yours. And in light of encouraging you to live this out so that this just, just doesn't become a one-hour let's say 90-minute service, TED Talk, spiritual TED Talk, where the vision of our church, real life change, really comes into perspective is when all of us begin to take what God is speaking and we apply it in our lives. And so I'm going to ask you three questions that have to do with the last several weeks of this series. Focus forward. The first question is this. In the past week, in this past week, how have you been following Jesus? With your priorities? With your surrender? With your time? With your finances? With your obedience? How have you been following Jesus? This is not a guilt-ridden fest question. This isn't to bring condemnation. This is to bring conviction and direction. Not information, but transformation. If it hasn't been going well, why? Acknowledge it. Ask for forgiveness. And stand up and step forward. What do you need to do this week? It's not, Christianity is never supposed to be complicated. We complicate it. It's following Jesus with every step, relying on the Holy Spirit. And it's hard in America because we rely on everything else because we have everything else full dependence on Jesus. The second question is this. How have you lived this past week in full reliance, dependence on the Holy Spirit? If you can't think of an answer and you don't have a specific time, friends, he is waiting for you. What? is going to get you to change the way you are depending in life. It's one thing to say you follow Christ. It's a whole other different situation to actually follow 
And lastly, where in your walk and just in your life in general following Jesus since you've been a Christian, where have you specifically encountered God as a direct result of your fervent prayer or the prayer of someone else on their knees praying for you? Go back to that time, whether it was this week, this past year, or when you were five years old. Where did God specifically encounter, where did you specifically encounter God as a result of your fervent prayer, as a direct result of your prayers or the prayers of another? If you can think of at least one time in your life, just raise your hand. Almost every single person. Yeah. Prayer is a a powerful thing. Jesus, Son of God, made in the image of man, came by the Holy Spirit into the womb of Mary, the virgin, and he lived a life like ours, but without sin. He was fully God, and yet he was the son of man, a flesh as well. He was fully dependent upon his father and the Holy Spirit. Once his ministry started, we have records in the Bible time and time and time and time and time again, Jesus is gone. And he wandered off into the wilderness or to a quiet place to pray. Why would the son of God pray? Because that was his full dependence on living a sinless life in the flesh. And if Jesus, the son of God in a fleshly body like yours and mine, knew that he had to be fully dependent on God in prayer, how much more should the church of human beings saved by grace, filled with the Holy Spirit, and yet still human, how much more should we pray? Last week, I shared my heart that I do believe that the church in America, not only I, along with so many authors, Christian authors, talking about the crumbling of the American church. I do believe that the church in America is anemic in prayer. We do not prioritize prayer like we see in Scripture or like we see in God-sized movements all over the globe. If you study revivals, it's basically revivals is a move of God that starts with God's people and it stirs and stirs and stirs and God does amazing things through people's surrender and prayers. There's been absolutely no single revival on planet Earth without a movement of prayer. And friends, I'm as guilty as you are, and I am as anemic as you are. And I'm making changes as I seek God's face in prayer. I think it was Reverend Billy Graham 
that said, if you want to really see the true heart of the people of your church, call a prayer gathering and see who shows up. Until we understand our desperate state and our need for God to show up, until then, we will continue on with this American culture, busy lives that acknowledge God maybe in the morning, maybe at mealtime, and as we drift off to sleep. And I'm just sharing this because I'm convicted as well. But friends, if we want to see the kingdom of God move not only in this church body, but throughout all of Blanchester, and we want to see the lost find Jesus, it's going to start with your prayers. Prayer does change things because prayer changes you. In the next few moments we have, I, I just want to read some quotes from some leaders, some books that the elders and several of us have been reading and trying to search for God's heart for how do we get back in alignment of what the church was called to. And I'm not talking about a denomination. I'm not talking about programs. I'm talking about getting back to the heart of being God's people, making disciples and seeking him in prayer. This quote is from a book called Kingdom Unleashed by Jerry Trisdale and says this, prayer is the lifeblood. Say lifeblood. Prayer is the lifeblood of movements. The church in the global north, that's us in Europe, North America, does not rely on prayer. Go ahead, get offended. It's okay. It's just a fact. And if behavior is any indication, they don't believe in it either. If we are going to see movements of God in the global north, we will need to see a new ongoing commitment to serious, intense, persistent prayer for God to open heaven Move on. To raise up disciple makers. Well, we make disciples. Every, every pastor in church stands up and says, we are about the mission of Christ, which is go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them, teaching them to what? Obey. How many disciples have you made this last year? How many disciples have I made this last year? How many disciples of all the Christians in this area have made this last year? We are growing anemic. We are growing inward as a church. There is a great purpose and benefit of being inward. We have to grow. We have to grow up. We need each other. We need to grow up. But as we go out, what are we doing? 
are we carrying the kingdom? You see, the American church relies solely on the pastor and the leaders of the church. The leaders of the church in global nations are not the pastors. It's the people making disciples. Something needs to shift, friends. We need to pray to raise up disciple makers and church planners to guide us to his people of peace. People of peace are like the eunuch that Philip, uh, the, the disciple in Ethiopia, was on his way to Ethiopia, and the eunuch was there, and he was a person of peace. God was working on his heart. He was open to the gospel. That's a person of peace. We need to pray that God would guide us to the people of peace and to empower our work. When you go out into your neighborhood, into your work, are you asking God to empower you to do his work? Many of you are. This is a great thing because many of you are seeing life change. Many of you are obeying what God has put in front of you and you're seeing him bless you. And you're seeing fruit of the kingdom of God. I applaud you. Keep leading, keep gathering, keep showing people what it looks like. Without our consistent, persistent, intentional, and intense prayers, there will be no movements in churches. I bet you almost every single person in here can name a church within the last two years that has closed its doors. Churches are crumbling. And what happens when the building is no longer open? Does the church cease to exist or does it continue in the lives of the believers? There will be no movements and churches will continue. It's slow and inexorable decline into irrelevance and global North culture. You can deny it all you want. It's happening around us. Another quote by a guy named Chris Galanos. Chris Galanos, he says this, as I have studied many movements overseas, and he's involved in so many disciple-making movements, mil- like he, I'm, I'm talking millions of people across seas, millions of people reach for the gospel. Church plants all over the place. He's seen it. He's experienced it. I see a consistent desperation for God and how people expressed that through hours upon hours of prayer. They want to see God touch their nation. They wanted to see God, they wanted to see all their friends and family members and coworkers and neighbors follow Jesus. They wanted to see God come and do something miraculous and they believed that the key to that was prayer. Now, if you would open your book, your Bibles or your phone apps to the book of Acts, starting in chapter one. The book of Acts, starting in chapter one. We're gonna look at the book of Acts because the book of Acts shows us the early church that Jesus anointed, commissioned, and called, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they transformed the world. 
And they multiplied exponentially in believers and people following Jesus and making disciples of all people. The church of 2022 is to look to the church of Acts as a model and an example. Would you all agree? Acts is our model. Jesus Christ is our model. We are to live our lives according to Jesus Christ. And disciple making was the most important thing to Jesus besides, of course, saving us and bringing the kingdom of God, but that's all about making disciples. And he did not go to the educated, the wealthy, the rabbis, the leaders in the religious movement. He went to the ordinary, as some would say, the outcasts, the uneducated, the disliked. And he's calling us to do the same. And what I want us to do as we read these scriptures and acts, I want us to look at our church and say, are we seeing this? Are we doing this? Because if not, that means we're not modeling after Acts. And if we're not modeling after Acts, we're not really following the design of the church that God, through Jesus Christ, has given us. So let's look at Acts chapter 1. Let's start with verse 13 and 14. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. This is after Jesus ascended and commissioned them to go, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but to go, wait, and pray. Let's see what they did. They went to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew and James, the son of Alphas, and Simeon, the zealot, and Judas, the son of James. The only disciple that wasn't there was Judas Iscariot. All these of one accord were devoting themselves to what? Could you all say it? Prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were obeying what Jesus told them. They had no idea what was to come. They had no idea that Pentecost was going to come in the way that it did. They had no idea that Peter was going to be filled with the Spirit along with the others and give a message of all time where 3,000 and more came to Jesus Christ that day. But they devoted their lives to seeking the face of God. How did they pray back then? They prayed like Jesus taught them. Acts chapter 2. Go to the next chapter, verses 42 to 43. And they devoted themselves, there's that word again, devotion. It's not just they spent 15 minutes or it was one day a week. It was literally the thing they devoted their lives to. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? It's what we read in the New Testament. It's based off of the eyewitness accounts of Jesus. And they were teaching what Jesus had taught them. 
They devoted themselves to the teachings of the apostles and fellowship to the breaking of bread and what? The prayers. Can, you, can we all say that word whenever we see it on the screen? To the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. We wanna see miracles. Miracles still exist. The Holy Spirit is still alive and present and with every single believer. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in you. It is. And he wants to do the very same things and even new things that we see in Acts. The Spirit hasn't left the building. But if we don't pray like they prayed, we're not going to see God move like he moved. I do believe that that's why we see little of God's movement of healing and supernatural miracles in the church because people aren't praying anymore. It's not that God has left. It's not that his Holy Spirit isn't as powerful as it used to be. It's his people are disconnected from his presence. Let's look at Acts chapter four, verse 31. I'm gonna need your help with that one word. And when they had... uh, Well... It's the wrong, is it? And they devoted themselves to That's different. Uh, let's go to Acts 4, verse 31, please. You don't have it. Well, let me share it with you. Guess where it is. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. This is not Pentecost. This is a separate situation. When they had prayed in the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And then Acts chapter 12. Do we have that? We do. So Peter was kept in prison for sharing the gospel, but earnest prayer The people of God following the apostles literally bunkered in their homes. They should have been just shaking in fear and hiding because persecution was the strongest they've ever seen. But yet they are bunkered in their homes on their knees praying to God. And what happened in prison is Peter's shackles completely fell off and an angel of the Lord was there, opened the gate and let him free. Why? Because of prayer. The earnest prayer for him, which was made to God by the church, not the elders, not the pastors, the church, the people of Christ. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were They understood that the only hope they had was God moving. And the only way to partner with God moving is to be in his presence and seek his face in prayer. 
So here's another quote. And this cut me to the heart. And I hope it does you too. When we as a church and as Christians are asking God to come and move, we are essentially asking him to do again what he did in the book of Acts. The early church of Acts catalyzed a great movement of God that swept the Roman Empire. Everyone said it was impossible. Whatever is impossible with man is possible with God. And it led millions to coming to Jesus in a relatively short period of time. Convinced, I am convinced that if we want to see the results like they saw in the book of Acts, we have to do what they did in the book of Acts. And what's the one thing they were constantly doing? Jim Simbola, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle in New York, says this, the more you pray, the more the sense you have that you need to pray. And the more that you sense the need to pray, the more you want to pray. There's nothing magical to it. There is nothing even like so super spiritual to pray. Jesus broke it down to the simplest of form. He says, just address God as your father. Acknowledge God for who he is. And in order to do that, friends, you need to humble yourself. You are not God. There's only one almighty savior. And it's not me, it's not you. And so when we humble ourselves and we acknowledge God as God, then we begin to surrender our lives to his kingdom and his will. Father, I want your kingdom, not my kingdom. I want your will, not my will. And the God who flung the galaxies into existence and holds everything together still wants to give you what you need for every single day. He's that good of a God. He says, if I clothe the lilies of the field that are here today and gone tomorrow and the sparrows in the air are clothed with beauty and taken care of, how much more will I care for you? So go to God with your need, but thank him that he's fulfilled it. And then the next part gets to the heart of the matter. Is your heart cluttered with sin that needs to be cleansed and forgiven so that God can have control? It says, forgive us of our sin as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, into temptation, but deliver us for evil, from evil. And so as the band comes up, I just want to lead you in a time of prayer. If you need to stand so you're not distracted, stand. If you need to come to the altar to bow your heart, come to the altar and bow your heart. If you need to verbally speak prayers, verbally speak prayers so you don't get distracted. 
Can I even ask you this? When's the last time the Holy Spirit led you in prayer? When's the last time the Holy Spirit prayed for you? That's one of his roles is to pray. When you don't know what to pray, when your English words just aren't sufficient, we surrender to the Holy Spirit and allow him to pray. It's powerful, friends. This isn't just a religious activity. This this is a weapon. It moves mountains. Sean, can you come up? Lead us into some worship. If you want to just get out of your chair and kneel at your chair, go ahead and do that. Just This is you and God. Don't let me dictate your time with the Lord. So first, I want you just to acknowledge God for who he is. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him. It's okay. Go ahead and whisper where you are. You're not going to distract anybody else. Acknowledge God for who you are, for who he is. And allow your attitude to respond in reverent worship because of who he is. He's faithful, friends. He's never given up on you. He never changes. And yet he changes everything. He's almighty. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He's all-powerful. He's all-glorious. He's all-righteous. He's all-holy and merciful and kind. He's intolerant to sin. He will not tolerate, nor can he stand to be in any presence of sin. And yet he provided a way to cleanse you and forgive you of that sin so that he may be present with you. That's the kind of God he is. His promises are true. They will never return empty. He's the promise keeper. He's promised that his blood of his son Jesus on the cross is more powerful enough to cleanse every sin of your past, present, and future. His promises have been all fulfilled except a very few One, that he is coming soon. And when he comes, he is going to take all of his children with him. And he is going to right all wrongs. And he is going to make all things new. And we will reign on earth with him. That promise is yet to be fulfilled. Our God is an all-consuming God. Worship him. Revere him. It's like a priest in the Old Testament when he saw the Ark of the Covenant and the glory of God. He says, who am I, a man of unclean lips? And who are my people of sin that we may 
be in your presence. And now I just want you to seek him and surrender to his kingdom come and his will be done. Where do you need to let go of the reins and let God be God in your life? What are you trying to control that is only his to control? Lay it down. Much of your stress and your burden is just going to be taken off once you lay it down. Surrender. Surrender. And now present your needs, whatever they are. Maybe you need strength. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need comfort. Maybe you need a job. Maybe you need uh, help and intervention from God with your children or a relationship. Maybe you're caught in a habitual sin and you need God to snatch you out of that, to give you strength and courage to make the changes you need to make from being caught in that bondage any longer. And lastly, cleanse your hearts. Ask for forgiveness and he will willingly cleanse you with the blood that he shed. Receive cleansing. Purify your hearts. Purify your minds. That's when God begins to show up and take his rightful place. So for the next 10 minutes, I want you to only do what the Holy Spirit is calling you to do. That's it. Respond. You can sit, you can stand, you can come and take communion at either corner of the front. You can come to the altar, come and respond to God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 